So uh, again, happy Mother's Day. What a, just a, such an exciting day, um, a, a day that we gather together to celebrate and, and to, to remember the, the moms or the women in our lives, the women that have poured out and sacrificed so much uh, of who they are for, for us so that way we may have the best the best possible opportunity at having a good life ourselves. And so this is a day that we acknowledge and that we just say thank you uh, to the mothers or the mother figures that we, that we all have in our lives. But on the other hand, today is a hard day for some of us, right? Like t- today can be a, a, a reminder of the, of the mother that you lost recently. It could be a reminder of, uh, of may- maybe it's been a little while, but the pain is still so very real. It can be a reminder of, of, the, of, of the mom that you had growing up that maybe she was absent. Maybe she wasn't there for you when you needed her the most. Mother's Day can also be a reminder for those of, for those of you that have prayed and prayed and, 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 and cried and tried to become a mother, but it just has never happened. And so for you, Mother's Day is a hard day as well. Before we jump into the message today, I want to do something that may be a little bit uncomfortable for some of you, and, um, and, and I'm okay with that. Like I've been with student ministry for far too long, <laughs> so it's just going to be uncomfortable, and that's all right. So there, there's that, just a heads up, though. Um, but in just a moment, I'm going, to have, I'm going to ask all the ladies to stand up. Moms or not, I'm going to have all of the ladies just to stand up, and um, to, together as we, as we celebrate today, we celebrate all women. God has placed something deep within you, something deep inside of you, inside of your heart, a heart of nurturing and love. And there's a very specific purpose and a plan that God has for you. And though, though our plans don't always play out the way that we had hoped, God still has a plan for you and for your life. So, ladies, if you would, go ahead and stand for me. And I'm just going to pray a, a prayer over you today. Loving God, none of us had perfect moms, but we honor our moms today on Mother's Day because you chose them to create each of us. God, for many, Mother's Day is a difficult day, and so we ask you to comfort those with heartaches today. For those who've lost their mothers, comfort them. For moms who've lost a child through miscarriage or through death, God, comfort them. I pray for stepmoms who struggle with blending a family. I pray for those who have had a delayed adoption or even a failed adoption and their heart has been broken. Comfort these moms. Comfort those who've wanted to be mothers, but it just hasn't happened yet. Comfort those who struggled with infertility. God, wrap your arms around these women and give them your comfort today. But at the same time, you said to rejoice with those who rejoice. And so we celebrate with those who've given birth this year to a brand new baby. We celebrate with those that have adopted children into their home or or those who've graciously and warmly welcomed foster kids who need a loving place. And we thank you for our moms in every stage of life. I thank you for the mothers of preschoolers whose work is never finished. Thank you for the moms of grade schoolers who play chauffeur and pack lunches and help with homework every single day. 
I thank you for the moms who feel both the pride and the ache of now being in the empty nest stage. God, on this Mother's Day, we commit ourselves to honoring and to loving and to protecting the mothers in our lives. And we thank you for the gift. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Will you give it up for all the mamas and all the ladies? Yeah. Today, today we are starting a brand new series, and I am so excited about this series. The series is called Movement. And you picked a really great week to be here. This is, I mean, you're getting in on the ground floor. You're like, this is, this is week one. And over the next few weeks, we're going to be talking through what Jesus meant when he said, go and make disciples. Go and make disciples. What does that mean? What does that look like? And to help us get started today, I just want to define a disciple. And, and for the sake of this series, uh, we're going to be looking at it through the lens of someone who is a follower of Jesus. All right. And so uh, disciple is defined as one who accepts and assists in spreading the doctrines of another. One who accepts and assists in spreading the doctrines of another. A disciple. Why would we choose to talk about discipleship on Mother's Day? Great question. That's a very valid point. But the reason why we decided to do this is because we believe that discipleship begins in the home. Discipleship starts within the four walls of your space. Your house can be a breeding ground for disciples. Your, 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 your house can be a laboratory for teaching and training and raising up the next generation of Christ-centered leaders. Now, I understand, so I mean, I get this before we go too far. Like, I understand that we are in a room full of people at very different stages of life, right? We can all agree on that right now. We, we are all experiencing very different things. Some of you here, like, some of you here are single, or maybe you're married and you, you don't have kids. Maybe you're married and you don't want kids. Maybe you're married and you have young kids all the way up to college age kids. Maybe, maybe your kids have moved out. Or maybe even worse, your kids moved back in, right? But we are, we are, all, we are all in different stages of life. But this is for everyone. This is for all of us, no matter where we are or what stage of life that we are finding ourselves in. This is for everyone. The call to make disciples is for all of us. And God has specifically placed us in these seasons and these circumstances to be bearers of truth and love. And there are people around you right now that, that need you, that need you to invest in them, that need you to, to show them and invite them to a better story. Each one of us are here today because we recognize that there is a need for more. Or that there has to be something more to life. Yeah, that more is Jesus. But it's also in these deep, committed relationships that Jesus came to, to, to show us how to live and to, to show us how to do. Jesus came, like we talked about a few weeks ago, Jesus came to tear down the walls of religion and build up relationships. And that's still our model today, to, 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 to pursue deep, intentional, and intimate relationships. I had a buddy a couple weeks ago ask me a very hard question and that I've just been really struggling through over the last couple of weeks. But he said, who are you discipling and who's discipling you? 
Who are you discipling and who is discipling you? And my answer to that was not nearly as clear as I had hoped it would be. After I fumbled through some names, he's like, well, it sounds like no one. So for some clarity, for where we're headed, for what we're talking about, and for where we're going in this series, just like we talked about a few weeks ago, this, is, this community is more than just a random group of people who gathers together once a week to talk about some things that we all believe about. This, this is more. This is a network of a group of people that are hopefully moving towards making the kingdom of God bigger to telling everyone in our lives about, about Jesus. This is a family. This is a community. This is, this, is, this is a family of people. We are more than a church building. We are more than just a group of like-minded people. So, even if you don't have kids, the call to make disciples and to raise up the next generation is for you also. And there's this incredibly simple process that we're we're given in in, in Scripture, and it just walks us through, like, just how easy it is to go about doing this. And it's so simple that all we have to do is just actually just do it. And so for the next couple of minutes, we're going to be walking through this passage in Deuteronomy chapter 6. It's this prayer called the Shema. It's, it's one of the, 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 the cornerstone prayers in Judaism. They pray this every single day. I mean, it is so much a part of who they are and what they're about. And, and so today, we're just going to be walking through this. So let me just go ahead and, 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 and read it. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. Listen, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These words that I am giving you today are to be in your heart. Repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Bind them as a sign on your hand and let them be a symbol on your forehead. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your city gates. So this is one of the more recited passages, like the passages of all time. And so... Let's make sure that the familiarity of this is not missed on us. Let, let, let's make sure that we don't just like read this and skip over and say, oh yeah, that sounds good. But, but for the next couple of minutes, we're going to be walking through what this means. And so if you're taking notes or if that's, if that's who you are and you're into things like that, taking notes, here's number one. Uh, imagine the end. Imagine the end. Verse four says, listen, Israel, the Lord, our God, the Lord is one. Have you ever lost sight of something? Maybe you had a goal or a dream or a vision. Like maybe there was something that you were going to be pursuing after. Like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm going to start exercising. I'm going, to, I'm, I'm going to go after this. And then somewhere around day two, you're like, well, this is such a waste of time. I can't continue to do this. Or, or maybe you were like, you're going on a diet or you want to make sure that, that you start eating better. And somewhere around lunchtime, you're like, I just really want a double cheeseburger and this isn't worth it. Or, or maybe you're at like Chuck E. Cheese with all of your kids and you just lose sight of a kid. Like, have, have you ever lost sight? Of, of something. I think that this is exactly why this started out the way that it did. I think that, that that's why they started this prayer out the way that they did, because as people, we need to be reminded of who God is from the very beginning. As humans, we have a tendency to lose sight of the things that truly matter. And that's because of our limited human 
perspective and our limited human understandings. We remember who God is. When we, when we focus on who God is and what God is about, it helps us to gain perspective. It helps us remember. I know that personally as a parent, I can get so bogged down in the day-to-day of raising my own kids that, that I lose sight of what's really happening. I lose sight of the bigger picture, and, and, and I don't take time to really just take in and think about what the end is going to be like, to think about what this means and, and what all of our work as raising kids, like what that could look like in the long term. But I love asking parents, parents of adult kids, I, I love asking them, like, um, do you have any advice or any, any regrets for, for, for parenting? And almost immediately and almost 100% of them will say something like, it just goes so fast. It just goes so fast. And if I would have known then what I know now, I would have done so many things differently. How many of you have said that? Yeah, it just goes so fast. Knowing that time is short, we quickly, quickly, we need to learn and we need to gain some perspective. What do I want my children to become? What, I want, what do I want my, my, the, 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 the goals and the values that, for my kids? Like what, I want, what do I want from them when they become adults? What dreams do I have for them? And then personally, what do I want my legacy to be? And this can be true for all of us, whether we have kids or not. But positioning ourselves and, and lining ourselves up with the call of a disciple maker allows us the chance to allow God to use us as a tool to help foster growth. If we, if we want to see the long-term growth, we have to imagine the end. We have to stay focused on the things that truly matter. Number two, fight for the heart. Fight for the heart. Verse five says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. I have two kids, one on the way, but my oldest one is, um, she's, she'll be four in just a few weeks. Um, I heard an interview just the other day that said children three to five years old ask roughly 500 questions a day. You all have been there, haven't you? 500 questions a day. Like, just reading, you're just hearing about this. Like, it is, ex- that exhausts me, just, just the number itself. 500. And I'm sitting there thinking, like, no wonder my wife is a superhero. Like, like, like that is, like, so just the other day, I, I was having a conversation with Maggie, and she was like, Daddy, where are you going? I said, well, I got to go to work. And she said, well, why? And I said, well, it's my job. Yeah, but why? I don't know. I, this is my job. I have, I have to go. Well, what are you doing there? Well, I got to go have meetings. I got to, I have to write a message. I have to do all these other things. And she's like, yeah, but why? And I'm like, Laura, I need some help. Like tap in, like come, come save me, fix this, figure this out. Tell her why I have to leave every single day because I can't do it. 500 questions a day. It was like 8am and I was blasted with 50 and I'm like, I just got to get out of here. I don't, I don't, Yeah. And that, yeah, I mean, yeah, you get it. So on a bigger scale, on a bigger scale, whys. Our whys are debatable, right? As human beings, especially Americans, we can justify virtually everything. Whys are debatable. 
But there is only one thing that separates living, a, a, a living faith from a ritualistic orthodoxy. One word, one compelling force. And that's love. And I know this is true, but I also know that it's not as easy to do always. So often I find myself putting my frustrations or my disappointments or my, my fears or my inadequacies or whatever on full display for my kids to see. And then with the very same breath, I try to justify myself as to why the rules matter. Why they, have to, why they have to obey and why they have to do things and then I can get frustrated with them and, and I can justify myself in my emotional state. And when I do this, when I do this, I find that instead of pointing my kids towards a God uh, of, of love that seeks to protect them, they're being pointed to a God of rules and rights and wrongs. And Moses knew this. Like Moses knew in the, in, 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 as he's writing, like he knew that this was true. He knew this was, that, that this was legit. In Deuteronomy 6, verses 20 through 25, he talks about our response and what we're supposed to be saying. Like he, he tells them, like if your kids start asking questions about things, like tell them this. this. This is what it's about. He instructed them to remind their children of who God is and everything that God has done. He wanted them to know the God behind the rules. Moses knew that only obedience motivated by love stood a chance to succeed. And as parents or grandparents or roommates or neighbors or friends or whatever, as people intentional on discipling, we have to demonstrate that there is a set of, of, of standards that we expect from people, but that we also adhere to ourselves. And we need to show them that, that we love them and that we can be trusted and that our word is for real and we, we can be trusted. And so you might be thinking like, yeah, but how? Like that doesn't even make sense to me. Like how, how can we do that? Have you ever been let down? Have your kids ever messed up? Has your child ever deliberately disobeyed you? If not, I need you to write a how-to book. And I'll write the foreword or, or, or something, but, but if you can do that, then I believe in your system. And so, I mean, I'm going to promote it with all that I have. But for the rest of us, for the rest of us whose kids or whatever, they have let us down. We have the perfect opportunity to demonstrate a very consistent message to them. We have the opportunity to, to, to forgive them over and over and over and over again and just remind them that we can be trusted. That, that regardless of what it is that they're dealing with, regardless of what it is that they're walking through, we can be trusted. Not necessarily saying that everything is permissible, but, but, but saying that we can be trusted in this and that we love them. For me, for my kids, the, the unpredictability of their behavior. I mean, almost two and almost four, like they're all over the place all the time. But the unpredictability of their behavior gives me a consistent opportunity to speak love regardless of what's happening in their world. And when I fight for the hearts of my children, I tell them that I can be trusted. When I, when, when I fight for them, I tell them that I can be trusted. God has put people in your life and in my life where, where, where you can intentionally model the love of Jesus to them. Do you want to make a lasting impression? 
Fight for the heart of your family by loving God with all of yours. Number three, make it personal. Verse six says, these words I'm giving you today are to be in your heart. I'm a Tampa Bay Lightning fan. I know that that's a, I don't know, maybe not a great thing to say right now. Um, Tampa Bay Lightning is a hockey team. We're about to win in now five games, apparently, uh, over the Washington Capitals. Um, but uh, so, so hear me out before you start booing or anything. Like, like I, my college roommate, he worked for the Tampa Bay Lightning, and so I would go to games all the time um, for, for free. So I am, for the last 15 years, I am a very casual Tampa Bay Lightning fan at best. Very, very casual. And so I was having a conversation with Ryan French the other day, who is a, who is a self-proclaimed Washington Capitals fan. Uh, and so as we're having this discussion, and I'm telling him that the, the Lightning, are gonna go, they're going to win, whatever. He said, name three people on the Lightning that are not named Steven Stamkos. And I was like, Stephen Smith? I, 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 I had nothing. I mean, I was blank. I had nothing. And I, I was only, the only names that were coming up were like the names of the people that I watched like 10 or 15 years ago. And, and I, I say that because in much the same way, we're going to pass on to our children exactly what we know and understand of Jesus. We're going to pass on to our children and the people that we're discipling the exact amount of information that we have. And so if we're not pursuing God with all that we have, if we're not, if we're not learning, if we're not training ourselves and, and, and being discipled, if, if, if that's not us, then we're going to pass on only what we know of God and his love and his commandments. The commandments and love of God are not in our hearts they will never fully be passed on. It has to be in us before it can be in them. And so here's a little bit of free wisdom for you. Never try to impress your kids with who you want them to think you are. Never try to impress your kids with who you want them to think you are. Because at some point, they will, they will know the truth. At some point, they will realize it. And, and if you've been just faking the whole time, they're only going to resent you. It's okay for people to see us for who we really are. It's okay to be real and to be honest. And especially if you are in these deep and intimate uh, discipling relationships, like that's okay to be real and to be honest. Especially if we want people to see the difference that God is making in our own lives. We have to be real with who we are and with where we are. This, this movement is to be intimate and real and flowing out of who you really are. And when you mess up, and you probably will at some point or another in your life, ask for forgiveness. Our children, my children, the world, it needs to see us struggle with answers. My children need to see me face weaknesses, face my weaknesses. They need to see me deal with real life problems. The world needs to see us admit when we are wrong. They need to see us fight for our marriages. They need to see us resolve personal conflict. And me, my children, they need to see me make relational, emotional, and spiritual um, growth a priority. 
And when I see it in them, I must celebrate it. Number four, create a rhythm. Verse seven says, repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. I'm not talking about a routine here. That's a little bit different. Like a routine would be, all right, I have three kids and uh, kid one has um, soccer at five o'clock and kid two has lacrosse at 530 and then kid three, we're just going to go to Chick-fil-A and hang out and I'm going to put him in in the little quarantine section and I'm just going to hang out by myself just for a moment and then in just a couple seconds, I'm going to just repeat it. All right, go back and get kid one from soccer and then on the way to kid two, wait, where's kid three at? Like that's a routine. Like that's, that's not exactly what we're talking about. I'm talking about a, a rhythm. Create a rhythm. One of meaning, one that's deep. So think about it like this. Have you ever been in a setting or in a moment or whatever that as soon as it was finished, you were like, I missed that opportunity. I, I missed that opportunity to say this or to do this or, or, or whatever. I know that me, for me personally, I, I am so guilty of this. So often I can walk away from things and I'm like, man, I really just missed it. Like I could have said this or, 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 or maybe in that moment they just needed me to mentally be there. If you want to raise up children or people who are going to pursue Jesus in the life that he has for them, it doesn't get much more practical than verse 7. Talk about it when you sit in your house. I know our world is full of crazy times and schedules and things that are happening. And I mean, we all have these demands. We all have these things. But what if we began fighting for at least one meal together as a family a day? What, I mean, what if we just made that a priority? There's a family in our church that I was talking to a little while ago, and they said that, that they do everything in their power to make sure they have one meal like maybe just dinner. And they said, sometimes we have dinner at nine o'clock at night because we have to wait until everyone's together. And so fight for that time around the dinner table. You're able to, 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 to ask your kids like just real questions. Like, how was your day? How, how are you? What did you learn today? And this allows them from the very beginning, the opportunity to start to look for the goodness of God in their everyday life. Maybe you don't have kids, but you have a, like you're, you're in a discipling relationship with someone. Maybe that's just asking them the same question, like, how are you? What's, what, what's God doing in your life? And it allows them the opportunity to be intentional with looking for God in their life as well. Um, we have a, 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 for our kids club, we use this, um, this curriculum that has an app that goes along with it called the Parent Cube. And this app, it'll, it, it, it tells you exactly what your kids are learning, what they're talking about, what's going on. And you can just download it and you can watch the videos that they're watching. You can see the stories that they're reading and it'll give you questions as the parent to ask your kids because they believe that discipleship is important as well and that it starts in the home. And so we use it and we try to talk to our kids like, what Bible verse did you, did you learn this week? What are you going, like, what did you talk about? Tell me about the stories that, 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 that God is teaching or that you're learning about God at church. All of us just want to know that our story and our journey matters to someone else, right? Like we just want to know that what we have happening in our life matters. And so provide people the opportunity to share those stories. When you walk along the road, 
This is in your cars. Driving your kids to school or to, I mean, no one walks, and so it happens in your cars. Like, driving your kids to school or to practice or whatever. Just be very intentional with that time. In your car, you have the opportunity to be not just your kid's friend, but also a listener. Ask them about what's going on and, and ask them about their day or talk about like the homework or sports or um, boys or girls or the traffic. But just be very careful when you're talking about the traffic with your kids. Just kind of watch that one. Um, the next one, when you lie down, this is bedtime. My kids are still young enough to where we lay our kids down and we try to be very intentional with our kids at that time. We pray over them, we read a story, we sing some songs, but we just try to be very, very intentional. And I, and I, and I know that the older that they get, the less that we're going to have the freedom and the opportunity to do that. And so right now, fight, fight for those moments. When you enter your child's room, you are entering sacred space. You are entering a space that you have this unique opportunity to be a counselor and a listener and a friend to your children. They can share things about what's happening, what's going on in their lives, and you can pray over those things right there in that moment. When you get up, mornings are crazy, right? Especially if you work in D.C., then your morning happens at nighttime. But mornings, mornings are crazy, but I heard of a system that when my kids get a little bit older, I'm going to adopt this system as much as I can with my own kids. But like the, this guy was saying that when he, he, he drives his kids to school now, and as they're in the drop-off line at the school, he uses it as like a moment just to give a motivational speech. And he pumps them up and says, this is who you are. This is what we're about. This, that you are a son and a daughter of the king. And he just, just encourages them the whole time. And, and it's so awesome. I had a conversation just the other day with a, with a mom of two of my students here at the church. And I was asking her just kind of about her, her process of getting her kids to school. And she was telling me that for, the, for a long time now, they'd either do a devotional together, or maybe they read uh, a, a, a little Bible thought or a Bible verse or, or whatever it is. But, but they use that time on the way to school just to, just to set their focus on Jesus from the very beginning. It's because of that that she's able to, she's been able to have like these really incredible conversations with her kids. There was one time that she was having a conversation and, and after the fact, the son said, mom, thanks, thanks for just listening. I mean, who doesn't want that? Like who doesn't want that type of relationship with their kid? And it, it only comes if we're intentional and if they know that we're fighting for their hearts and we know that, that they matter to us and that we can be trusted. Like I said at the very beginning, this isn't just for parents. This call to be disciplers, it's for everyone. It's for all of us. We've all been given the opportunity to go and to make disciples. For you ladies in here, whether you're a mom or not, a birth mom, a stepmom, an empty nester, maybe you're desiring to be a mom. I thank God for you. I, th- I thank God for the life that he has placed, or the heart that, he have pla- that he's placed inside of you. I thank God for who you are and for what you're about. And for you, moms in here, I just want to end today like this. Romans 8, 1 says, 
There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Moms, if you are in Christ Jesus, you don't have fear, you don't have to fear condemnation. You are in the righteousness of Christ, loved by God as his daughter. Mothers, even though you may not feel like it, you are not condemned by your messy home. You are not condemned by your lack of Instagram perfect moments. You are not condemned by the difficulty of caring for a child with special needs. You are not condemned by your miscarriages. You're not condemned by your lack of desire to have more kids. You're not condemned by your inability to cook. You're not condemned because your kids aren't normal. You're not condemned because you are divorced or unmarried and doing it alone. You're not condemned by your desire to be alone away from your kids for a few moments every single day. You are not condemned by your repeat failures as a mother. You are not condemned by your rebellious children. You are not condemned for not feeding your kids homemade meals where all the ingredients were purchased at Whole Foods. You're not condemned for needing a vacation without your kids. You are not condemned because you can't take your kids on exciting vacations. Mothers, even though you may feel like it or may not feel like it, if you are in Christ, you are not condemned. Because of Jesus, you've been set free. So ladies, happy Mother's Day. All of you, happy Mother's Day. I thank God for you. Let's pray. Father God, you are so good. And I thank you for who you are and for what you're about and for what you're doing. And I thank you for the freedom offered to us by Jesus Christ, your son. And I thank you for what you're about. And God, I pray that as a church, we would take serious the call to go and make disciples. That we would begin to expand your kingdom and, and, and show the world that there's something more. God, I pray that we would make you famous. God, we love you just so much. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.